What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys Five Movies, and this is the Quick Cage. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. Frank, which Nick Cage movie are you going to talk about tonight? Uh, so tonight is our first official um, Quick Cage request. Mm. It comes from my son's girlfriend, Taya. Oh, okay. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, 1986's Peggy Sue Got Married, um, starring uh, Mr. Cage. Uh, Kathleen Turner in the title, the um, title role, Peggy Sue. Um, also has Barry Miller, Catherine Hicks, Joan Allen, uh, Kevin O'Connor, Jim Carrey, um, Will Schreiner, Barbara Harris, um, Sophia Coppola is in it, John Carradine's in it. Uh, just a bunch of people um, that you know. Helen Hunt is in it. Um, the guy that played the dad on what's her name? The redhead's dad on a, that 70 show. Um, he's in it. Mm -hmm. Um, just a ton of like, uh, good, like, I wouldn't call them like B list, but like character actor, like comedy improv actors from that time period, especially a lot of people in their, um, like their early years. Um, General storyline is uh, uh, Peggy Sue Kelcher is married to, um, or Peggy Sue Bodell, I guess is her name at that point. He's married to uh, Charlie Bodell, who's in a cage character. He's like this wacky appliance store owner who does these like crazy commercials on TV. Um, they're getting divorced on the eve of her. Um, 20 year high school reunion or 25 year, I can't remember which one. Um, so she's like reluctant to go, but her daughter Helen Hunt, which let me tell you, it's crazy seeing Helen Hunt as like I don't know how old she was when she filmed it, but supposedly it's like a 16 year old and she looks like super young. Yeah. Um, when she goes, she sees all these people that she was friends with in high school. Um, she's got really like she's really sad because she doesn't want to break up with her husband, but he's been cheating on her. Um, so she gets nominated for prom queen when she's up on, or not prom queen, but like, um, Uncoming. whatever you call that, like the reunion queen or some shit. Mm -hmm. So when she's up on stage, she passes out and she wakes up back in 1960, um, the summer of her senior year of high school, which is where she ended up sleeping with, um, Nick Cage, who was at that point her boyfriend, which led to her getting married. Um, so with all of her foreknowledge, she starts to try to change the course of her life, um, to not marry Nick Cage, um, mm -hmm. do like other things that she wanted to do and like be someone different. So she doesn't have to go through the heartache that he put her through by, you know, cheating on her. Um, so of course, over the course of the movie, like she eventually finds that she's still in love with them and they end up, um, still having sex and still getting married and then when she wakes up back in the 
the present day again. He's by her bedside and apologizes for cheating on her and says he wants to work things out and they sort of reconcile and that's where the movie ends. Um, it's been probably 30 years since I've seen this movie. Yeah, yeah I was going to say like something similar again. <clears throat> like I was probably 12 or 13 when I saw this. Um, so I remembered almost nothing of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, the only thing I really remembered was the thunderstorm at the end. Um, right. When her grandfather takes her to the Masonic Lodge to like um, go through their cult ritual that'll send her back in time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nicolas Cage kidnaps her and they profess their love to each other. And that's when they end up getting back together. Um, I really remembered nothing else from it. I was genuinely surprised by how much I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, the performances were all really good. Um, it's got a very good sense of self-deprecation. Like, even though it's a boomer nostalgia movie, um, it's tongue-in-cheek enough about that time period where it doesn't really have completely, like, rose-colored glasses on about it. Like, you watch something like, um, I don't know, American Graffiti, which mm-hmm. is Similar time period, similar themes. Um, completely like a love letter from Lucas, you know, to his childhood and growing up like in those times and like driving cars and hanging out and stuff. And this one, it feels more like a more honest look, not necessarily from like a socio political standpoint, but just from the fact that like your life's never as terrible as you think it is at the time. And um, I don't know. It, it really is kind of rose-colored. That's a, I misstated that. Because they don't deal with anything like racism or sexism or... I mean, there's some tongue-in-cheek mentions to the fact that, like, she's sort of an independent woman, which is basically unheard of for the time that she speaks her mind and she stands up for herself and she's not afraid to talk about sex or not afraid to be outspoken about the things that she sees as like hypocrisy and like high school life and whatever, but it's all done in jest. Like none of it's done as like serious, you know, social commentary or anything. Right. But it still works. It's fine. Um, I think that every supporting performance in this movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, I'm not a huge Kathleen Turner fan, but she's, um, she's pretty amazing in it. Like I really like her a lot. Uh, Barry Miller is Richard Norvick is another like great role. Um, Joan Allen and Catherine Hicks as uh, Peggy Sue's best friends. They're both really good. Um, all of uh, Nick Cage's friends like um, uh, Kevin O'Connor and Jim Carrey, like they do a really great job too. Like Jim Carrey is particularly restrained and actually has really comedic timing in this. Like there's some stuff where he's still like the facial contortions and the whatever. Um, but for the most part, like he actually, you know, for a, a bit role, like it's a good supporting role. Sure. Well, he's proven that he can stray away from that if he needs to or tone it down. I mean, it agreed. It's just interesting to see this on the front end of his career as opposed sure. to like after he had gone through the right fire marshal bill, whatever, like in living color. Yeah. Era, Jim Terry, right. cable guy, Ace Ventura. Um, to be honest, the most annoying part of the movie is Nick Cage. And not because it's a bad performance. It's just a distinctly weird performance. 
so he he affects this vocal fry like the entire time he's talking and it makes him sound like a low rent peewee herman kind of but it's not like peewee herman's like super exaggerated like you know like voice is he he talks like this, and he's always saying things like this, and like, hey, maybe I got a great voice, and I'm a great cat. It's like, and I'm not even doing it that well. Like, it's much worse than that. And so I, I was reading some stuff about this movie, and there's a lot of, like, really crazy backstory to this movie, um, where she apparently, after the filming of the movie, so in nothing I read, Kathleen Turner hated working with Nicolas Cage in this movie, like hated him. And basically mm -hmm. hated his character to the point where he had to sue her to get her to like recant what she had said because she accused him of being like two drunk driving tickets and kidnapping a chihuahua or something while on set. Um, and so I went back and I was reading articles about it like from the time, like things that she said and then also the fact that she had to recant like that any of those things were true because she got sued for defamation by his um, legal team or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she talks about like how annoying like the vocal fry was and how. Yeah. I just listened to a clip real quick. So I understood a little bit more what oh, you were saying. It's, yeah. it's so weird, isn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Like that's a strange, yeah, it's a strange, I, like kind of put on. I thought, I guess I tried to convince myself that he was doing it to sort of, somehow maculate like a post-pubescent but not quite manly voice mm -hmm. like still some pubescent cracking but not you know on the cusp of manhood but still a kid maybe but I don't think that's the case I think he's just being a real weirdo and she never mentions that Coppola you know so Francis Ford Coppola directed this movie right. she never mentions that they're related at all so I'm curious if she even knew Mm. You know, that he was, what is he, Coppola's nephew, right? Right, right. So she never mentions that. Um, I mean, I've always gotten the impression that Kathleen Turner is just as difficult to work with as anybody. Um, yes. From, like, stuff I've I've read from, like, other movies that she's been in. Absolutely. Um, and just, like, the... The general, you know, like my parents would watch it like Inside Edition or whatever, and there would always be mm -hmm. fucking um, whatever you call it, like TV magazine shit about that stuff. Um, yeah, and I think it was from my gathering of reading about something about her career, it's like some of that was because of just blatant sexism because she is a strong person, and some of but some of that though was because she was just kind of an asshole herself. So anyway, so there's weird chemistry, like, you can tell when she's being, because, so because he's cheated on her, she's gone back in time, she's very, like, she carries that hurt and that anger with her and in, back into her childhood, like her teenage years, so she treats him like shit for most of the movie, um, like, leading him on at times, and at times just, like, completely being dismissive. And it's it's a really great performance on her part. Like, it feels so real. And I guess maybe it's because it was. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe it wasn't so much acting as it was just her, like, projecting her actual feelings towards Cage. 
Well, she like said, I, I just was just on Wikipedia here real quick, just to confirm that for you. Um, yeah, she's, um, you know, she said that, like, you know, uh, Cage's performance only further illustrated my character's disillusionment with the past. Um, so, yeah, it seems that, like, it actually kind of helped her performance along. But it ends up being really good. And again, like, his his performance is good. Like, the way that he emotes and the way that he carries himself and his delivery is fine. It's just the voice itself is so off-putting and weird that it's like, it's almost like a constant reminder that you're watching a movie, which makes it really difficult to watch it as a movie sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it also never, like, ruins the movie. And I think that, like, Coppola is still, I don't know, good enough at this point where he directs it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, well. We got nominated for Best Cinematography for an Oscar. Yeah. Actress, Cinematography, and Screenplay, is that right? Those were the three? Uh, see, actress, uh, costume Design. Costume Design. Which actually is the thing I remember most about that movie, is like their outfits and stuff like that yeah. when I was a kid. Perfect um, encapsulation of like that late 50s, early 60s like wholesome doo-wop era of men still wearing like sports coats and letterman sweaters and the women are wearing, you know, their, their poodle skirts and their, um, I don't know, like high choker collar sweaters and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like there's some really beautiful stuff that Coppola does, like the way he films things. Um, there's some times where it's clearly like obvious that they're filming on a set, but I think that's on purpose to kind of, illustrate like the fantasy slash um i don't know like not quite set in reality tone of the movie um and it works really well uh when they're filming like the city streets and stuff everything looks clean and pretty and it's like the the color in this movie is beautiful too like it's just amazing like the whole time like how much they get out of you know costuming and the cars and um the color of the houses and everything like it's very it's a very bright and colorful and like friendly movie to watch so so i was really surprised and i enjoyed it as much as i did i i laughed out loud several times um genuinely was like engaged in it um it's it's a little difficult to watch a movie like this only from the perspective that number one like you know that generation now and like what that generation has begot at this point right. and it's sure. like like how can you still look at yourselves if this is what you were you know in your 30s and then now like what have you become and i hate saying that because that's my parents and stuff but still it's like like what you i don't i don't want to talk about that too much but yeah, um, i understand yeah. it's like you know so and we talked about this when we talked about Hmm. Maybe Heaven Can Wait, I think, was where this came up. But it's like you're watching this movie where there's no representation of people of color, really, with the right. exception of like these dudes in this like um blues band that Nicolas Cage like moonlights with. Because that's one of his things is he wants to be a singer like like Fabian or Dion. Mm-hmm. Um right. So he's trying to get a contract with a um, record producer and he's 
has the record producer come out and watch him sing with this um like basically like black um uh, blues doo-wop r&b band or whatever they sing with on the weekends um so there's that but then you know like that's it it's all just really whitewashed and i like i get it that you know that was the time period but it still is just weird to watch a movie and not see any people of color really represented um on the plus side it's a really great representation of the power of um women number one Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a lot of really strong female characters and then also just the idea that it's got a the guy that was the nerd like becomes this like multi-billionaire and a lot of it's through like her help so there's that aspect of it which is um which is pretty entertaining so Mm -hmm. So yeah it's just a really good movie looking at his filmography here so this is already the um what one two this is the third time that he's worked with Coppola already in on something and this looks to me like his fourth like kind of leading or secondary like role so he's still really young here i mean he hasn't even is this like his first like big breakthrough Mm. i mean this is an oscar nominated film like i mean i mean i would call valley girl his breakthrough because he's the star of that movie but in terms of sure but i'm saying it's like in terms of popularity maybe though like well yeah definitely in terms of like him being like a, right, like a noticeable face, right? Because then right. he does Raising Arizona and Moonstruck, the right? Years, so. Right. So that this this is like the first role that like probably the masses saw, like a lot of the masses saw all the time. Right. I mean, this is like his ascending moment where he's moving towards, um, yeah, becoming like a real, I don't know, sure, like recognizable movie star. Right, like um, on a scatterplot chart, like th- like th- this is a bigger dot than most of them. Like this movie, like well, yeah, this is the biggest dot so far. And then, right. yeah, but then again, like he does. I mean, Raising Arizona is quirky, but it was pretty well received. And then Moonstruck, right. was a pretty big hit, like in you know terms of like the late late nineteen eighties. So right. yeah, um, but I think he, he showed himself as being like versatile and quirky enough where he fits in with certain styles but also able to um carry a role as like a i don't know like a hangdog leading man or like a guy who's more relatable is you know like he's he's got a certain look to him that makes him handsome but he's not like super suave or mm-hmm. incredibly um like photogenic, like he's got a little bit of weirdness to him, and it's his hair and his eyes and his mouth, and um, I don't know. Like it was a, it, it was a really interesting performance to watch. Yeah, and really kind of bold. I mean, considering like how much he just throws into being so, I don't want to say unlikable, but like annoying, grating at times. But it's definitely on purpose because you're supposed to view him as a guy who's so in love with himself and the idea of his own potential that he is that great. Because he really is like the most popular guy in school. I mean, he's the person that everybody loves and all the guys want to be friends with him and the girls all want to sleep with him. And I don't know. So, but anyway, so really great movie. Um, really enjoyed it a lot. I would, I should look at the rest of that year and see like, 
where I feel like it ranks because as much movies, as many movies from the eighties as we've watched in the past couple of years, like I really dug this movie a lot and I would probably place it pretty high on the list um, in terms of like, even like, especially from like a rediscovery standpoint, like things that I enjoy from that time period. So, well, um, in 2026, we'll find out. Motherfucker, we're gonna be dead. 2026. <laughs> if we survive coronavirus, we can survive fucking. So, in terms of highest grossing films, just to test this out just a little bit. So, in highest grossing films, you have Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, Platoon, Karate Kid 2, Star Trek Four Voyage Home, Pack to School, really? Um, Aliens. Mm. Um, the Golden Child, Ruthless, mm. Pe- Ruthless People, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's a that's a tough year. That is also the year of A Room with a View. Um, I don't care about that movie. Okay. Um, I'm just telling I'm just telling you names, man. Right. Just telling you names. Hannah and her sisters is that year. Huh. Um, Mona Lisa is that year. Oh, the um, Bob Hoskins. Um, yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Is, is that Neil Jordan? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Uh, Color of Money is that year. Uh, Children of a Lesser God is that year. <laughs> uh, When's the last time you've seen Children of a Lesser God? Uh, 1987. Maybe 88. Yeah. Uh, my my mom, I want to say, liked that movie. So I think I, I saw it. I bet she did. Um, but yeah, so uh, sure. I, that's that's it's kind of a like, title too. It is. It is. Um, Children of a Lesser God is like almost up there with like um, JoJo Dancer. Your life is calling for me in terms of like just a funny '80s reference, just solely based off the title. Like it's like you can just say like any random 80s movie like you know to try to just be obscure and you can say children of a lesser god and it's like it works to me because it's kind of like a interesting and funny title yeah there's um there's some great shit in 86 Mm. i don't know it would be like, I really enjoyed this movie, but it, I'd be really hard-pressed to put it in the top five. Right, Mouse Detector came out that year? Right, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Uh, when your fucking favorite movie of all time? What are you talking about? Big Trouble? Oh, right, yeah. Blue Velvet is 86. Mmm, yeah. Critters is 86. Uh, more seriously, At Close Range is a good movie. It's it's pretty it wouldn't make a top five, but it's a good movie um, that year. Cobra is eighty six, terrible movie. Right. It holds Border, a Border strong Border place. Two is that year? Crawl Space with Klaus Kinski, eighty six. Space Camp is also that year. Huh. Dead Man's Letters was eighty six. Right, right, right. Deadly Night. Friend, Deadly Friend, which is a terrible movie. It's eighty six. Haunted Honeymoon. Dude, I, I love Haunted Honeymoon. Honeymoon is fantastic. It's as one, one of my favorite, because you like physical comedy, like stuff. My One of my favorite physical comedy bits ever is Gene Wilder using the dead man's legs while he's right. laying downstairs talking to the, oh, fantastic. 
Yeah, that is really good. Joe Bot's The Battle of the Rock Lords came out that year, featuring the voices of Margot Kidder, Telly Savalas, and Rodney McDowell. Oh, oh, that has to be close to being on a, on the Chris Loves Frank's Indifferent too. Is Armed and Dangerous? Do you even know what I, that movie? I don't know. <laughs> what is it? Uh, it's a um, Eugene Levy, uh, John Candy comedy where they ended up there like oh, an employee right, right, become right. security guards. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm indifferent to that movie. Yeah. It you know, there's a, five, but I, it's, here's another one. Here's maybe like one, definitely a top five. Chris loves Frank is indifferent. His house mm. that year. Didn't you you put house on a list though? Oh, you did it for me. That's right. Yeah, you put it I on didn't your put house on a list. Did I? You put house on your best five of B horror that year. Brady six. Yeah. You, I think you did it for me. I don't know what I was thinking. The fly is that year. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that movie. Stand by me. The fly is like really iconic to me, like memorable. I don't know that it means it's good. It's just Agreed. memorable. Stand by me is that of, year. Yeah, a lot of people love that shit. The money pit. There's that's another one that you love that I'm indifferent to. Hmm. Yeah, I put that on the list too, didn't I? You did. I, honestly, we could just do. 80s 80s movies we could just do we could do probably multiple categories of 80s of just things that i love and you're indifferent to because we could just do inner space money pit armed and dangerous and i'm sure there's a couple you know at least like 10 more like from the 80s that just in terms of comedies down by well, laws that year down by law is really good mm-hmm. uh tarkovsky's the sacrifice is that year i've never seen that it's on YouTube. You should watch it. If YouTube ever comes back up. Sid and Nancy is that year. Short Circuit is that year. Jumping yeah, Jack Flash is that year. Oh, shit. Fuck, fuck that movie. Trick or Treat's that year. I don't know what that is. What? You know that movie. Come the Three on. Amigos is that year. That's a movie. Was, that this is a really good year. for. It, it really is. I can't believe, like, the 86 heat is that year i mean i could legit do like a top 10 like super easy yeah 52 pickup is that year shit i skipped over that one i saw them on there mosquito coast mosquito coast was that year that's fun you love mosquito Um, no i do not i think it's funny i think it's funny did did i ever tell you i i've told you about the fucking the the room at the college that for like the first 10 years I was working there had these old um like reading is fun reading is good posters and it was obviously most of them except for one that had Shaq when he was like a rookie probably all the rest of them like I know Harrison Ford's look well enough to know it was 19 and I know this like, I know the setting it was taken on the set of the Mosquito Coast that's how old these posters were and the Whoopi was taken on the set of um I think burglar <laughs> um and they, they these posters have been up in that damn room for like 30 years almost like ridiculous 40 years almost jesus mm. but i love them yeah i don't heartbreak riches out here too that's a really good year man it is a really good year 
I mean, a really good year for even movies that aren't good, like just memorable movies. I must have been just watched a ton of movies around this time because Wisdom's on there. Is that year? Do you know that movie? What is that? Emilio Estevez and Demi Moore, like almost like Bonnie and Clyde, like Killers on the Run type thing. Mm, I don't think I've seen that. Witchboards that year. I haven't seen that. Eye of the Tigers that year. Solar Babies. Damn. They're right. Yeah. Oh, Firewalker. Yeah, I've seen like so many movies from this year. That's crazy. Yeah, thank you. What do you think now? Top fifteen? Top ten? I, I would still Top say. 10? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there was. I I think definitely just not even like writing anything down or like yeah. trying to remember that there were at least five that I would say are above yeah. me, but. I mean, honestly, for something that I've only seen a couple times in my life, like I was super, super impressed. And maybe that's part of the charm of it. It's just that it, um, it struck me so much, like how much I enjoyed it. Right. Nice. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. That's. that's a good um. Trip. So Cage performance is a. It's a good trip down memory lane too. Like there at the end. It is. Um, Cage performance is a seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird enough. Where like you're laughing at him sometimes, um, but still kind of off-putting, but still a decent performance. Uh, the movie itself, I would say, is uh, eight and a half out of ten. Yeah, like really yeah. good movie. Nice, cool. All right. Well, we actually spent like a considerable amount of time on the Cage movie this week. It was pretty focused. It was tight. Even the even the the aftermath related to the year that it came out like had some context to it so um uh, i think um i think we nailed it this week frank um and for all of those listening uh we have a special guest this week uh, on the uh main podcast it is a third man episode where we will be um, joined by uh, screenwriter, actor, producer Jimmy Custis, uh, who has a movie out right now called Body Swap, which can be seen rented on Vimeo, and um, he will be joining us to talk about his and Frank's favorite body swap movies. Um, we'll be I'm doing excited that on, for that. Yeah, and we'll be doing that on Saturday this week, so a um, little earlier than usual. And um, but we'll still be back next week with a new Quick Cage. Nobody needs to know what time it is. I mean, I guess you're probably going to publish it, like, soon after we do it. But I'll do it that night, yeah. Yeah, it's like, we could be talking any time of the day. There's no um, verbal clues, you know, like owls hooting or whatever that we always do it at night. <laughs> yeah, the owls. Um, right. The owls right. are not what they seem. Um, what I, I um, I'm just trying to, like, I'm just trying to be transparent, man. Like, I... I Man, nobody wants transparency in this day and age. They want to make up their own facts. You know what? Anyone that's still listening at this point, you imagine us doing this in whatever way you want, at whatever time you want, in whatever era you want, in any place in the universe. All comes out the same color in the end. Good good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Yep, have a good night.